what you want. We got a mouth and heart to listen, but it makes your rage glisten. Our voice is about the games, and you know we talk about the latest stories more so than any other. And our mountain west matters. Well, will you? You listen to this podcast too. And you, you rant about this podcast too. Just a side where Jeremy analyzes some matches and kiss between the bridges. We do some good interviews. And you know from Fresno all the way to Boise, from Logan down to Aston, they're calling out our name. Where will you? You listen to this podcast too. And you, you love this podcast too. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest. Uh, what are we calling this now, Matt? Because uh, we're uh, no longer Mountain West Connection. What should we do? What's the game plan? <laughs> <laughs> we probably should have talked about this off air. No, that's cool. I, I wanted to be spontaneous because that's what makes it fun. Now, we are at this point, um, we're on iTunes, of course. We're on Stitcher. Um, may or may not be a Blog Talk Radio. That's a work in progress just because of maybe switching. But our, our if you have the RSS feed, you're good to go. You'll get the link spread out however you normally get it on social media. But we are now, what, MWCY? Or is that what we're calling this? We'll think of a That's fun name, maybe. Maybe? Yeah, maybe. We'll need a new theme song, too. Oh, nope. One with Chris did is perfectly fine without the other name in there. That's true. The uh, TikTok one. So that will... I'll have to go through those and take a look, but we're now with uh, collegefootballnews.com, uh, USA Today uh, digital property. So if you, the reason we want the wire name, just because if you go to NFL Draft Wire, Broncos Wire, Cowboys Wire, it's kind of all the same. A little bit different, but why the heck not? So that's kind of where we're at, but same Twitter, Jeremy Moss, uh, Matt K underscore FS. And we have a new one as well I made the other day. Is it just MWC Wire? Is that correct as well? That is correct. <laughs> So give us a follow there because we are not keeping the other one because eh, I, I felt it probably wasn't the best idea because it's kind of sleazy. So we need to build that up. So give us a follow there. And this week, Colorado State. You ready for this? I am ready for this. Let's do it. As people know, I'm very excited about the Rams because if you go back and listen to our podcast, what was it, late late January, early February, I projected them to win the Mountain West. Will I stay with that prediction? Yes, Maybe. We'll see. You got to listen, right? <laughs> you better. Yeah, you better. If you're here now, you better be listening because we want people to listen to the show and have a lot more people find out what we talk about because it's fun. So, so, what do you want to start with here? Because they're pretty much bringing their continuity with this team. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have a lot of starters coming back on both sides of the ball. If I remember correctly, it's seven on offense and six on defense or something like that quite a few my question for you is like what excites you the most about this team replay the tape of the last half of the year outside of the idaho potato bowl they were one of the top i think bill c and snp plus top 10 team last half of the year and that his numbers do include um schedule modification strength of schedule to include where you're positioned in his ranking so yeah, schedule wasn't amazing, like Big 12 or SEC or anything, but they steamrolled through the last half of the conference, played very well. I would say overall, I want to see Nick Stevens because you hear Josh Allen a lot from Wyoming and Brett Rippon from Boise State, um, obviously deservedly being the top two quarterbacks, but people look at that Colorado game like, oh, what is this? He played terrible, which he did, but if you look the year before, he was an all-conference quarterback. In the second half of this past year, I believe it was, uh, who is it, uh, Rich Camarillo, I want to say, did some of Campus Insiders. Nick Stevens mm-hmm. had, I believe, the highest passer rating from November on of any quarterback in the, in the country. Not the conference, FBS quarterback. And if that, that gets me excited, if he keeps that up, or at least in the same neighborhood, 
I'll say it right now. Like I was on, I'm always, I'm typically on quite a bit on the uh, was ESPN Hawaii. Every now and then they have me on, and I said Nick Stevens could potentially, again potentially, we're sitting here in the summer, but be the best quarterback in the conference at least statistically. Maybe not toward NFL, but I don't see why with who they have coming back, he gets me the most excited about leading this team because when he played well, Rams were rolling through the conference. They crushed San Diego State last year, one of the best defenses in the league and the country. Yeah, just to add a little bit of context to what you just mentioned about the quarterback rating thing, yeah, in November, he had a quarterback rating of 223. I think that's pretty good. And in the bowl game, it was 196, which granted, you know, the defense didn't really show up for that game, but, you know, I think it's a credit to him that he was able to, you know, kind of, st- you know, stay in there and bring this offense back because I think, you know, if they're going to win the conference, it's probably going to have to come on Stevens' arm, isn't it? I don't know. It's going to be helpful. But look at their um, like, look, look at their running backs. They have the best duo in the conference, in my opinion, right there. They have one of the best receivers in Michael Gallup. Their defense the second half was still very good. And they do lose Kyle Davis, but it's going to be – it's like it, – yes, it's going to be helpful, but he has to be at least above average because week one last year for CU, that was a terrible performance, clearly. He can't. Mm-hmm. Nobody can be that and say you're going to be a good team, but if he does like um, Boise State game, seventeen for thirty-one, that's okay. Two touchdowns, something like that, just above average is what he needs to be because they have enough everywhere else. He doesn't have to beat a team, but he can beat a team if need be. Yeah, and I guess my question is, you know, in the same way that we may ask, you know, which which Nick Stevens is going to show up. For me, I think the more important question is when you're talking about the running game is which running attack is going to show up. Because if you look at the numbers last year, you know, in the same way that we talked about Stevens taking a giant leap forward from November onwards, the same thing happened with the running attack too. Like in August and September and October, which is basically the first eight games of the year, they averaged, you know, four and a half yards per carry, which, you know, is okay like i think on the season that would have ranked eighth in the conference but then from november onwards you know they averaged like nearly six and a half yards per carry and i think the question is like we know that they have the talent back there we know that dalen dawkins and izzy matthews probably have it in them to be you know all conference performers but are we going to get the guys who showed up in the first half of the year or are we going to get the guys who showed up in the second half of the year because you know it wasn't really one guy who was more consistent all year long like if you look at Dawkins's split stats and if you look at Matthews's split stats you know Dawkins got better every month of the year until he was averaging seven yards a carry in November and you know Matthews was you know I felt he was the best running back coming into last year but you know, in that first half of the year, he was averaging like 4.2 yards per carry, which is, you know, okay, but kind of disappointing. And then he started averaging over six yards per carry. So for me, the question is, you know, how much are they going to be able to hold on to those gains? Because especially early in the year when they're coming up against a couple of really tough defenses in non-conference play, they're going to need those guys to be a balanced offense, which is kind of what you saw week in and week out in the second half of last year. Yeah, looking at what they did, because my main tipping point was when uh, Colin Hill got hurt. He's, he'll be back, but he well, he's going to be the backup because he had the torn ACL middle of the year. It was at Utah State game when off the bench you had, I think they were d- deep down the field for with Utah State and Colorado State. It was like second down, Colin Hill goes out. Third and long, here um, in comes Nick Stevens, leads him down to, I forget if it's a touchdown or a field goal, but led them to a victory over Utah State. And from that point on, yeah, the first half of Boise is weird. You had a lot of weather. They were down big, they, but they made a huge comeback. Since then on, like I said, that's when things started clicking for them. And I'm, it's for me, it's all momentum. Even in the Idaho Potato Bowl game, yeah, started off poorly, made a huge comeback. Third, third and fourth quarter looked pretty good to try to salvage the game where they're down huge. It's, I think they're going to be fine overall. It's It does depend because, look, when they start off, like Colorado's not going to be as good this year. Oregon State may be a little bit better, but they're nothing impressive. Yeah, they go to Alabama. What do you expect from that? Nothing too 
amazing or what are they going to do versus him? You know what I mean? It's going to be tough to do anything. But I think – I don't want to say they'll be fine, but I just, I'm just i just on the hype from what they did last year. I know they don't have Marvin Kinsey Jr. See, I said the right the first time, Matt, of course. Yes, you did. Good <laughs> job. I have his name in front of me as well. That's part of it. I don't know why I kept getting him mixed up with something else. But he's going to be out probably the whole year because he tore his ACL in the – San Diego State game, I want to say, or practice for the bowl game, something late November. But they have, like you said, they have the most talented guys. Like Dawkins had, what, seven, you know, 500 yard plus games. He only had four touchdowns, but 13 was Matthews when he got closer to the goal line. I think it's all there to be fine. What they do need to make up is with uh, Kinsey, he had seven touchdowns last year and 550 yards. So I don't expect him to play at all this year, maybe late if something happens November because that's almost a year out. He might come back. They may redshirt mm-hmm. him. I don't think it's officially known. But I don't see why they take a step back. There's just going to be maybe a shift of where those yards and touchdowns go to because the com- those three guys combined had, what, 2,500 yards just about, 24 touchdowns. Yeah. I think they're going to be fine running the ball. He got the offensive line who's coming back, but I don't – like, again, maybe I'm too confident, but whatever that happened midseason last year, they turned it around and were from just a team that might not even make a bowl game to being playing possibly the best team in the conference leading into their bowl game, which I said that last year. And I'll still stand by that because they were the best team in the conference the last four or five games. Well, and even without Kinsey, you know, they still have Dawkins, they still have Matthews, but even behind those two, they have, you know, another three-star guy that they recruited back in 2016, Rashad Body, who you know, performed pretty well in the spring game in Kinsey's absence. And, you know, Darius May, who was a two-star guy, but between the two of them in their spring game, they combined for 200 yards and like six and a half yards per carry. So I think they'll be fine. And I think it also helps that they'll be getting, they'll be running behind a fairly experienced offensive line too. Yeah. If you have all that they're like, they're, I think they're going to be fine. Like, what what weakness would you see there? Besides, I know lose, losing Kinsey is a big deal, but like, what other weakness do you really see? It's like, oh, they're going to struggle because of this. Unless, the only thing I can think of it, unless somehow Nick Stevens reverts to what he did week one and two last year, which it's a pretty big swing for how he played before and after. He's not the quarterback versus Colorado. He's And he may not be as good as he was the last half of the year. But two years ago, he was a all, was he second-team all-mountain was quarterback. And so... I believe so, yeah. Why wouldn't he be in that neighborhood? And if he if you have one of the top three quarterbacks in the conference and a above average um, running game receiving core, I don't like what weakness do you see? Like what would say they're gonna take a step back offensively? I mean it's hard to say. Like I know I talked about this last year, especially after the Rocky Mountain showdown. Like I never felt that Nick Stevens should have lost his job, even with as poorly as he played against the Buffaloes last year. But, you know, he's going to have to be better from the start, I think. I don't think there's going to be quite the quarterback controversy that there was this time last year. But, you know, I think that even with as good as Stevens looked last year, maybe he still has a little bit to prove relative to someone like Brett Rippon. Well, I think so. Because if you look at 2015, like even 2014, he played in six games that year. Or Mm -hmm. a handful of games. But yeah, back up here and there. But he... Looking back to 2015, he completion percentage was better in 2016 to 2015. Even that includes that horrid six of 20 starts. That was 30%. Mm-hmm. He eclipsed that. He had nearly as many touchdowns in 2016 despite playing basically three and a half fewer games. And so I'm going to lean to more of a what he did the past two years when he was a full-time starter. Like I don't know competition got to him or something or he just started off bad like if you start off bad that could have a snowball effect but i think you're right pulling him that soon was a mistake just because colorado was better than what people thought or after that first week like they expected them to be better but not top 10 team winning the pac-12 south better and so it's yeah they got blown out and i can get putting the backup but it's offensively this could could this be the best offense in the conference it absolutely could be, yeah. I'm going to say it's going to be. Just look what they've done. And like the so offensive line's back. If you look at the little spider chart, like the offensive radar, passing, efficiency, rushing, explosiveness, they're all on the outside. Top, what? what's that, top 20 offense pretty much everywhere? When you look at mm-hmm. the, that spider chart from Bill C. It, 
I don't know. It's gonna, they're going to be fine. That's all I could say. They're going to be fine. And the only concern, what was it? Offensive line, they bring everybody back. We even mentioned Michael Gallup, who could be a top four receiver at worst in the conference. Do you think they need one more receiver? Well, they have, was it Olabasi Johnson out there? They do those Robert Ruiz and, Dan- and tight end and Danny Nuasso, but yeah, I think so. You need a third receiver who, looking at returning guys, it's way down to what, D- Dietrich Clark? I don't know. I think, yeah, Dietrich Clark, I think, is expected to step in not only as maybe the number three receiver, but also as a returner. Mm-hmm. But I'll be interested to see what some of the other guys on the depth chart can do, too, like Marcus Wilson and Trey Smith. Because I'm not saying that they need, like, another, you know, another guy to step up and produce like Gallup. But I'm wondering if maybe they need one more guy who can catch, like, 30 balls or something like that. No, that's makes perfect sense there because the, the way their offense is they don't go three wides very often they're more of a pro set so like their depth chart they released a two wide outs tight end more traditional what you see they do throw to the running back a little bit as well because if you look at uh, what uh, like Dale Dawkins he was the he's the third re- leading or third returner for catches which with what does he have 20 what's that 14 mm-hmm. or 20 sorry I'm trying to slide over and the name go away 20 catches so Maybe the running backs will get a few more catches there, but they, I do think they need a third receiver. Like 25 catches will be fine. Maybe two guys to get uh, 40 catches, 45 catches. But I would like to see, besides Gallup, you got, I think Johnson will have a pretty big year. Cause he, like, look at the targets. 118 for Gallup compared to 47 for Johnson, who's the second returner on this team, and half the yards. And... Maybe he needs to get to 50 catches because I don't think Gallup... It'll be tough for Gallup to have that same production last year. Could Maybe, maybe not. But that's catching that many passes, that many targets. Defenses are going to focus on him. So you got to have Johnson. Yeah, I think that's their, probably their biggest concern is uh, finding a solid third receiver because everything else, they're back. Like Offensive line, yeah, they lose a couple starters there. That's going to be a concern. All, was it four guys who are honorable mention or first-team all-conference? There's three guys, yeah. Three, oh, three, sorry. One returning with uh, uh, Jake Bennett. Like Frank Zerbus, isn't he with the, or Zebrus? Didn't he get picked up in the NFL, I believe? He did. So there's that concern. So that could affect the running game overall. But looking, if you look at the recruiting rankings from below those guys, they're higher rated than who they had last year. Just don't have the experience. So that's probably well, my even, biggest concern, I'd say, is... Uh, even the guys who are stepping in to the guy to the offensive line, like Colby Meeks and Jeff Taylor at the guard positions, you know, they've started at least twenty or no, they they haven't started, but they've played in at least ten games apiece. Taylor had ten games last year, and Meeks has appeared in twenty three games over the last couple of years. So they have experience, and now it's just kind of their time to step up and shine. And you know, if they can be as good as their you know, recruiting profiles would suggest. Like Meeks was a three-star guy, for example, coming out in 2015. I have a feeling this will probably this could be the best line in the conference. Interesting. I think Jake Benham might be the best offensive lineman. And You're right. Right there in center. That's the biggest position up front. He has 29 career starts. Yeah, I'm looking at that sheet now, like games played. Everybody, like you said, everybody has double digits games played. Jeff Taylor's the only guy at 10. Everybody else has... 20 plus and 30 plus like like I said Moxie 35 start career games played six starts so and it might take a little bit to get together but with those amount of games played I don't care if it's mop up duty or not live action is live action and that helps out a bit so number one offense for me I'll say it right now he said it not me hey I already said they're uh, champions of the comp well, well gun it maybe my prediction back in January February okay <laughs> it might be the same maybe not all right, so defense now. Um, last year, people were not too fond of Marty English midway through the year. It's I don't want to repeat what I said before, but after that Utah State game, everything changed. Leading up to it, they were garbage. Well, that, maybe that's too strict, but they weren't very good. And whatever he told them that one week, they flipped around into 180 and just started not dominating, but playing very, very well in the conference. Did you realize that they ended up finishing second in tackles for loss in the conference? Wouldn't surprise me. What did Kyle Davis have? Eighty of those, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yeah. He had two. What did he? I think he had two hundred and fifty last year by himself. 
maybe not that many, but they were second as a team in tackles for loss. Uh, yeah, on the season. It's pretty good. Only Hawaii was better. That's six and a half a game just about. 82, so there we go. That's close. Well, I guess for the team, but that's not too surprising, is it? Do you think it is from what they did? I would have thought, they, I would have thought they'd be a little, little bit closer to the middle of the pack. Well, when you look at conference play, they're third overall. Non-conference play, they're fourth. So they're pretty split. But in conference play, they had six over six a game. But non-conference, well, I guess they're about the same. It's interesting. They were pretty even throughout. I thought there would be a little bit of disparity in tackles per game. But they, it was Kyle, Dave, or, yeah, Kyle Davis who did most of the damage for this defense with everything he did overall. Because you look at uh, – or not excuse me, Kyle, Kevin Davis. He had ten and a half TFLs, so – he also had uh, Evan Colortrio with 10. So they had a couple guys who were just crushing it. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting, I think, to see if they can turn a few more of those tackles for loss into sacks because, you know, I think they have it in them. Like, they finished fourth in the conference last year with 29 sacks. But I think that, you know, I think the linebackers could take another step forward because they were pretty good last year you know josh watson's coming back he had seven and a half tackles for loss you know colorado like you just mentioned had 10 tackles for loss you know trey thomas had seven tackles for loss but i think it's going to be interesting to see if they can find one guy to be disruptive in the same way that shaquille barrett was disruptive in the past or Corey james stuff like that could Deontay Clyborne, who sat out last year for injury, could he be a guy who steps up and does something big, like replace Kevin Davis there? Maybe. Because he was out last year, he has eight starts, 38 games played, did pretty well when he was healthy. Maybe there's not going to miss a step if he takes that Davis role. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because I'm not sure that they have that guy along the offensive line. Like, of course, Toby McBride was kind of a revelation last year. But I'm not sure that he's going to be able to get four sacks again. Like, I think that he'll be definitely a presence, but I think they're going to need those linebackers to step up and put more pressure on the quarterback, especially in a division where you're talking about facing guys like Griffin and Allen almost every week. For sure. Uh, Maybe. It's not not nose tackle getting those numbers, so they're probably more easily replaceable or replicated, I should say. Because if you're a nose tackle getting four sacks, something weird happened. Because that, that's not the yeah, case. Sure. And so it's they, – they lose a couple on the defensive line. Like I said, J- Johnny Shep is gone. And then who else? They lose kind of like um, Josh Lovingood a little bit. But they have depth. And again, looking at the recruiting, like the redshirt freshman guys, uh, Christian Cole and Anthony Smith rated pretty high. Got a couple juniors uh, or sophomores going to come in who saw play some – again, some playing time last year to step in. It's going to be like looking at who they have like games played last year. I'm glad they separated that on their uh, Rams uh, post spring depth chart. But the amount, these guys, there's no inexperienced starts, maybe. But these guys all played double digit games. Almost everybody in the defense, outside of what one safety, that's it. In uh, Jamal Hicks, everybody else has played a lot. Even he has multiple starts. Mm-hmm. And and look outside, like Davis is the biggest loss. We can't say it's not for over 100 tackles last year. But besides that, you might need linebackers to do a bit more. And get replacing 10 and a half TFLs from Davis is a big thing to uh, rep- to uh, get back from whomever comes in to do so. Maybe it could be like they have that guy from Oklahoma State coming in, Connor Hacker. Maybe he'll do something crazy coming in and play. There's that guy as well. But like the returning talent, like you said, they we, we're going to nitpick here or there. But they, like you said at the beginning of the show, they bring back pretty much everybody over half their – was it just over half their offense and defense? So the only concern we have is if they start like last year. That's true. I mean, even even beyond that, I think they've – I mean, they've just got to be a little bit better just because of the fact that, you know, on offense, they were second in the country in finishing drives as far as your points per trip inside the 40-yard line. But on defense, they were 118th. Like they allowed, you know, 5.14 points every time opponents crossed the 40. And I almost wonder if some of that could be mitigated by the defensive backfield taking another step forward. Because I think that there's talent back there. I just don't think that they've reached their ceiling quite yet. 
and I you know I like guys like you know Kevin Nutt and Jake Schlager, but I'm wondering, you know, can they be the kind of ball hawks that we see in, for example, San Diego State, or you know that Air Force has had in the past couple of years, because they only had eight interceptions as a team last year. And I'm kind of wondering whether they can break through because I think that they can, they're going to be able to do that offense a huge service. Yeah. You can't do the Idaho game where they gave up 61 total points and was like 35 and a quarter at some points. So there's got, there's, there's room for improvement because when, when you look at your totally like points given up for the entire season, Oh shoot. I just had it here. They were middle of the pack, but if if you look at more closely, November was great, but partly because they had the one shutout versus Fresno State. And they, um, if you look at everything else, like UTSA, they held them to not too many points, only 14, but too many points they give up, like 38 to Wyoming, uh, 24 to Utah State. Uh, 28 to Boise wasn't too bad, but 49 points to Air Force. They beat New Mexico, but gave up 31 points. Like, they're defense like you said gave up a lot more points if you get rid of the shutout which not not fair to say you get a shutout you've earned it but outside of that game they had only two that were fewer than 20 points they allowed everything else was 20 plus 30 plus where they had to outscore teams like i want to see if a guy like braylon scott can step in and kind of be an impact guy because he was a three-star recruit coming back or coming out in 2015 and he's not listed on the two deep anywhere, but he had three interceptions a year ago. I saw him play a little bit. I think he's got a lot of talent, but I want to see if like he can step up and be that kind of you know that kind of presence in the secondary that offensive or that quarterbacks have to be aware of. You know whether it's him or like I said, some of the other guys in that secondary. Like I think. Let me let me put it this way. I just think that they need to be better as far as, you know, contesting the ball because in the last couple of years, you know, they were dead last in 2015 and passes broken up and they really weren't much better in 2016. They only had 32 passes broken up, which was 10th in the conference. And so they basically just need to turn some of that, you know, promise into production, I think. For sure because the offense can't bail you out every week. Not that they yeah. had to too often, but imagine if they gave up, like, again, going to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Had they had a better half of a quarter at some point in the first half, they could have won. Like, yeah. they scored a lot of points, but again, like, I went through how many points they'd given up. Like, 30 here, 24 here, gave up. They Yeah, they beat San Diego State, but gave up 31 points to the offense. Quite frankly, San Diego State's offense, scoring offense, not going to blow your doors off. They're good, but... Mm-hmm. They're not an offense. Like, when you look at what they scored throughout the uh, whole year last year, yeah, they were fourth at 35 per game, but they're not they're, they're not going to put up 60 points on you or anything. And yeah. maybe that's not the fair example for who they played and how well they did, but, like, they scored 17 versus Fresno, 27 versus Wyoming. Good defense, but they you just got to help out your offense a bit. You can't just rely scoring top two in the conference and be a defense that gives up in the top half as well and points allowed. Oh, you know what? I didn't even think. <laughs> I was just looking up Braylon Scott. I suppose it's worth mentioning that he was arrested on felony charges back in May. Oh, he's one of the guys no longer with the team. Yeah, maybe we should look up that stuff. <laughs> just <laughs> kidding. That hey, that so, happens. Stuff sneak, slips through the cracks because didn't a few. I think a few guys did get removed from the team, but he's one of them. So. Yeah, because um, in this article from May 11th, it says that he was at least suspended from the team. So off the top of my head, I don't know. I don't know what his standing is. I mean, if he's off the team, I think that that probably represents a pretty significant blow. For sure, yeah. We'll see. And Again, we're doing this midsummer, so it's uh, it happens. Well, He may be back. Who knows? Media Day is coming up, so by the time this is out, I think we'll be near Media Day or after. I forget exactly. No, we'll be before Media Day because that's the end of July. But All right, let's take a quick timeout here, and then we will break down the schedule folks all right we are back to go through each and every game of colorado state matt do you have your spreadsheet handy i do i sort of do so <laughs> i kind of do it as i go but i do need to look back at other games so this game we have not mentioned one time in this podcast and rams fans might be hating us 
there is a brand new stadium. Have you heard of this on campus? Have you heard of this thing? I've, I've seen it in uh, in the middle of its construction. It's a very nice looking facility. So we got that going for them. Their game versus Oregon State at home. Game time was moved. This is the very first game of the college football season. Very first. So, I mean, it's pretty yeah. nice showcase for the new digs, right? Yeah, you get Oregon State coming into town. It's uh, August 26th. We'll go through the dates here a little bit. It's a 12.30 game on good old CBS Sports Network. But before we get to schedule, well, we'll get to this at the end. But this should be a game. Like, Oregon State is nothing special because we look where they are supposed to finish or projected, like, win total losses. They're about five and a half. They're probably at the bottom half of the Pac-12 North. I'd put them behind, obviously, Stanford, Washington, Colorado, Washington State, I'd say maybe better than Cal. Maybe. But, maybe. But what does Oregon State have coming back? I don't think they're too much of a of a threat to really beat CSU. I mean, I think that they kind of got their their passing situation sorted out by the end of last year. Marcus McMarion, I think, is probably a decent quarterback. He's probably not going to be an all-conference performer or anything like that. They do have a pretty good running back in Ryan Nall as well as Thomas Tyner, who, oddly enough, coming from Oregon, could be a factor. So, I mean, I think they'll, they'll be interesting. I'm just not totally sure that they're going to be explosive enough to kind of keep up with this offense. Yeah, that'll be tough because they do have another year where, because last year they lost like guys like Kalani Sataki, Elisa Tuyaka, who left the program for coaches, coaching jobs at BYU. So they have more experienced coaching staff, which will help, but yeah, looking at offense like what they projected as last year what they did they were not very efficient they're one of the worst teams in passing overall but like you said returning those the quarterbacks and who they have coming back they're given a decent chance to win the game but 41 percent which was it just because you got the bigger guys from recruiting type of stuff mm-hmm. for p5 things but unless their running backs come through and go crazy because you see what thomas taylor's um or tyner 24-7 recruiting number is like 99% essentially. Yep. <laughs> Maybe he blows off and crushes the team. They bring in the guy from TCU as well. They, their running game should be better, but they lose their best receiver, Victor Bolden, to the NFL. Seth Collins is back. That's always good to have, but I think you're right. Like I think that they'll be better than last year, but are they going to go like say, go downfield and McMarron had only 10 touchdowns last year. That's not very good. They'll be able to surprise some people, I think. But I, I also do not believe that the Rams will be one of them. I don't think so either. Because I remember I talked with the guys from buildingthedam.com. Because Daryl Garrettson, we all know, used to be Utah State. They figured he'd be the guy to come in and just sling it like he did when he took over for Chucky Keaton and whoever else with the Aggies a couple years ago. He just struggled and struggled. Maybe he. I don't think he's going to be the starter, but... I think everybody's disappointed he didn't step up and be this gunslinger like everybody saw at Utah State. So, but I still mm-hmm. think it's or McMarion to be the starter. But they, who they have coming back in transfers, like if their running game gets going, that's clearly going to help the passing game and the guys coming in for replacing you know, Bolden Jr.'s uh, production, which even by that, he only had two touchdowns. They didn't throw the ball very well, only 500-plus yards. So they have a lot of guys maybe room to grow, but... Rams are rolling and going full speed week one. And then you look at Beavers, like offensive line, they're losing guys. They do return a lot on defense, so maybe that could be an area. But Rams should win this game, right? I don't see too much of a concern. Because think of this, new stadium, likely be a sellout. They're going to be hyped and ready to go. Unless Oregon State comes out and scores 14 straight points or goes up 17 nothing. Rams should win this game reasonably comfortable, I would say. I would agree. All right, next game. They move on to week two where they um, – back to Denver. Mile high. This thing's still going on. Playing the Buffs. Stupid Pac-12 network game, which I'm disappointed at. <laughs> Perfect response, yes. You would think going to the Pac-12 title game and a team that is projected to be top three in the Mountain West Conference would get a better time slot. You might think. But – should we call the disrespect card here? Is that what we're calling this then? Sure. I said it. So, But Buffs, they lose, like I said, lose starting quarterback. Mike McIntyre 
He got that contract extension despite having a few issues back in early June. That's not a good look. But when you look at what the uh, Buffs are projected to do, I don't know why or how they're set at seven and a half wins. This game's always close. Outside of last year, this history of this game is usually pretty, pretty close. Like there's that game on Fox Sports One. I think it's one of the first games they had a couple years ago. Came down to the wire, but the Rams had that big fourth quarter. But with what Colorado normally does, yeah, they went to the Pac-12 title game. I don't think they're going to replicate that. It's going to be more of an even matchup this time around. I would definitely agree. I mean, I think that it makes a significant difference when you lose like two NFL caliber guys in you know Chidobe Awuze and Tedrick Thompson. I think that that will play to CSU's advantage. But at the same time, you know, yes, they do lose Sefo Liufau, but Steven Montez, in the, when he got pressed into duty last year, was pretty good. Like, I, I, I see Montez as being kind of analogous to Colin Hill, actually, in the way that they both kind of hung tough and played pretty well. And it maybe exceeded some people's expectations last year. So I don't really see much of a drop-off at quarterback. And I think it also makes a significant difference that they bring back Philip Lindsay. You know, they bring back literally everybody in their receiving core, including Devin Ross. And, you know, they may not be quite as explosive as they were a year ago, but they they should still be, you know, pretty competitive on the offensive side of the ball. And so I kind of see it as being like a back-and-forth kind of battle where you know, maybe it's like first to 40 or something like that. I don't know about you. Potential. I'm looking at like who they have returning defensively. Like their overall turnover margin was okay. Like they were plus. Um, they're in the positive side of things. They were uh, plus six, but they turned over ball the ball quite a, quite a bit. When you look at their total gain, it's 26, which is a top 20 unit. But then if you look at these kind of numbers here, like linebackers, like Kenneth. Uh, um, sorry, hold on. Is that for my? Wait. <laughs> I these names. Why? Oh, man. Basically, they defended 50, 58 pass defense breakups last year. That's pretty absurd. They had enough yes, uh, TFLs. Like, if you look at their turn, like you said, 26 um, turnovers gained on defense is good, but they gave up 20 on the op- offensive side of the ball. So, those guys are gone, like you mentioned, linebacking core. But when you look at what they did last year, this is going to be hard to replicate. Like, uh, Ogilvy and uh, Gilbert, 20 TFLs, 12 and a half sacks, 8 pass breakups, 7 forced fumbles. And then the corners and secondaries, like, um, Witherspoon and Tedrick Thompson, that's where I got 58 pass defendants, or pass defenses, I guess that's how you say it, or defended passes. I don't know, one of those words. They broke up 58 passes. <laughs> Nine TFLs, mm-hmm. four sacks. Some of those guys are gone, some are back. That's going to be hard to replicate, and turnover margin is an area where it's sort of a luck factor a little bit because the ball sometimes bounces your ways. If it hits off a guy's helmet or shoulder pad or muff fumble or something. To replicate that, it's going to be losing some of those guys as well is going to be tough. And so I'm thinking that area is where they're going to come back down to earth. It might be more of the uh, negative side of things. It's hard to say, but you're losing that experience who knows how to get those pass breakups and create turnovers and get to the quarterback. If they're losing a handful of those guys, I don't know if they have the recruiting talent to come in right away. They might. They may not. I'm not I'm too deep into this Buffs team, but that's an area where maybe this offense will find those holes and exploit that. I mean, this game last year went about as badly for CSU as it could have been. Yes, and I don't think that that's going to happen again. I think that's kind of like the long story short of this of thinking ahead to this game, which is why I kind of think that, you know, it'll be pretty competitive, but I fully expect the Rams to be able to pull away when all is said and done. They should. That game last year um, was the most points scored since a, uh, they don't have a correct order here, but scoring more than 44 points or even over 40 points is pretty rare. There's a game in 2013, 41 points for the winner, 42 and 03, 41 and 01. But I guess it's more common than I thought, but usually I, I was looking for something that was not there i apologize <laughs> it happens the difference is pretty unprecedented 37 point difference i'll say that for sure like going back from that i guess the last margin of victory that big was the 41 14 one in denver versus uh, we're colorado one i guess they're all in denver now essentially for the most part but 
Blowouts are pretty rare. 95 blowout when CU in the 90s were really good, late 80s. Some blowouts there. But since, like, 2000, outside of that 41-14 game, they're all within. There are a couple overtime games. Um, the only double-digit games were, like, 08 and 09. And then 2010, little stretch. Uh, I guess 2011, a four-year stretch. But even then, two touchdowns difference for most of those games. So these aren't blowouts that happen very often. Because two, a two-touchdown game is, that could happen on just anything like a snap of the finger get a pick six or a short field so expect a close one but i'm going buffalo or excuse me no rams for the victory all right almost slipped up there almost abilene christian victory moving on september 16th at alabama roll tide Kansas State will have uh, will have softened him up, I think. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> <laughs> Alabama is. Um, is there a line on this game yet? Have you noticed that or see, seen that around anywhere floating? I have not, but I can tell you that uh, Bill C gives them a four percent oh! chance to win. Four <laughs> percent? That's it. <laughs> He's saying there's a chance. Like technically, you're on the field, right? That's true. All right, so this is a game. Thank you, Jim McElwain of some sort. Maybe throw him a bone years ago because he's the coach there. This is a, It's like a game where, okay, here's the thing. Alabama's going to win. They're 10.5 over under win total. Uh, clearly means a victory is coming for them most likely. What Because the last time these two teams played, there's a quarterback issue, if I recall, where they couldn't get a first. Or they held Alabama to not uh, – I should look it up. But they played them pretty well. Maybe Alabama and Nick Saban weren't doing their um, – traditional roll you over and just crush you but (laughs) they could stumble here and there they did go to the title game last year but that 2013 game just kind of reference while it was 31 to 6 if i recall there was basically a third down conversion for uh alabama was pretty insignificant trying to find it here as we're talking but uh yeah the 31 to 6 score was an indicator of how bad it was like the amount of field goals they were given up and everything whatever i can't find i'm not gonna chat in circles and sound like a dummy but it was closer than people thought because alabama scored 14 points in the final quarter of that game two different teams clearly years later new coaches and everything but i see colorado state maybe making this an interesting game for it's probably one of their tougher non-conference games alabama's played in a while i would outside of well they do play florida state they play those big games but it's not charleston southern who they mix in or playing some random Sunbelt team that's not very good, like at the bottom of that group. Mm-hmm. Are you giving them more than a 4% chance to win this game? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say I'm giving them that much more chance because like, I don't think it's going to shock anybody to acknowledge that Alabama is stupid good. But I would probably put it closer to like maybe 10%. What what do you what would it take for the Rams to get upside here? I mean, I think that they would just they'd have to kind of control the clock and really make sure that they can establish their running game. Because, you know, if if history is any indication, which yeah, it was only one game that they played, but in that twenty thirteen game, you know, the tide really shut down Capri Bibbs and Chris and Wolke. And you know, they are probably even deeper this time around so even if you know even if Dawkins and Izzy Matthews can't get the job done early you have to hope that they'll be in a position to kind of stay with the running game that they don't fall too far behind because you know I feel like if they do that's going to be really problematic um but of course with Alabama that's easier said than done because you're talking about a defense that you know gave up two yards per carry against all runners last year. Yeah. And probably wouldn't surprise me if they came close to matching that again. Like they were almost a yard and a half better than everybody else in the SEC last year as far as stopping the run. And I think the other big thing is that the defense is just going to have to play the game of its life because while Alabama is not like a, they're not like a game breaking offense or anything like that. But they do have a lot of skill there because it's Alabama. And Jalen Hurts' second and, year as well, not a freshman. Yeah. Here's just for, for some perspective really quick. We'll move on. It's going to be a loss at this moment. No reason to predict a victory. 
Here's a couple things to note on Alabama's over-under, or not over-under, but um, line totals. They play Florida State neutral site. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite over Florida State. They are Oosh. They are a um, – had them up here just a second here. Um, Texas A&M, 10-and-a-half-point favorite over the Aggies. 11-point favorite over LSU and a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Auburn. If okay. I, I don't see the line out now, so what I, what would you say? 17 points? Uh, I mean, that might actually be a little bit conservative. I would probably put it closer to three touchdowns. Interesting. Because right now Colorado is somehow an eight-point favorite over Colorado State. And that's okay, let's, let's put it this way. Like According to, to Bill Connolly's projections, uh, the projected margin is 31. Oh, man, that's going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I think it'll be closer than that. So you would take them to cover a 31-point spread? Yes, I would be confident in taking that, yes. <laughs> would yeah, you? Yeah, I think I would, too. That's, that's no stupid upset pick. That's a smart money if you're going to put money. Hey, we're going to be there soon, so maybe if there's a line out on this game, mix in a parlay, that CU game. You with me? Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Next game, they play conference um, games coming in here. They play uh, Hawaii after an off week. They go to Alabama, home, out to Hawaii. This, I think Hawaii's, I think they're going to finish second in the, in the uh, what is it, the um, West Division? I was going to say Pacific for some reason. They're in the ocean, but I think Hawaii's going to finish second in that uh, division out West. But going to Hawaii's difficult, clearly. Drew Brown, we love mm-hmm. him. Like St. Juice running the ball. Defense is going to be pretty solid. I could see Hawaii winning because just the travel is an issue going out there, even with the buy in between. They'll get some much needed rest, but I'll say it again. The way if the Rams are playing as well as they did part of even eighty five percent the last half of the year, they should beat Hawaii even though it's in Honolulu. Yeah, I mean it's no secret that Hawaii is usually a little bit better at home than they are on the road. Um but I just, you know, I have, we've talked about this before. I still kind of have questions about Hawaii's ability to hold up on defense, mm-hmm. which to me, I think is going to be the significant difference. I feel like, you know, they should be able to give them a run for their money for a little bit. And they, you know, both sides are probably going to score a lot of points. But I do expect Colorado State's offense to kind of take over when all is said and done. I think eventually that's the case. Like, Drew Brown will keep him in the game as well. And with who they have coming back, I believe they have a Dylan Colley receiver out there should finally get some more significant playing time with Marcus Kemp gone. But it'll, it'll be a close game. It's not going to be where the Rams will go through and just take care of business easily because Hawaii's going to go to a bowl game, I'm thinking. Like I said, finish second in that West division. But I think you're, you're spot on where they don't have enough defensively to stop the multiple attacks that the Rams have on offense. Yeah. So what do you say? Victory, loss? What do you got? No, I have it as a win. Oh, that's what, what victory or loss, whatever. Same thing, right? Victory, win. Yeah. Then, then they go to Utah State, man. A lot of traveling. That's some brutal travel there. They're lucky for that off week because then they go to Logan, Utah. Luckily, it's October and not late November where there could be some uh, weather issues. October 7th, maybe chilly, but I don't expect any type of uh, crazy weather there. I would say... This is probably like a step down from the Hawaii game, but a similar fashion where Kent Myers, Tony Lindsay can do some stuff offensively, but Utah State's defense hasn't been the same in a couple of years. I still think that Utah State's defense could be a little better than a lot of people think. Why is that? But, well, I just, you know, I feel like they have a lot of young talent that got maybe a little bit overlooked last year. But at the same time, they're going to have to replace a lot on that front seven, which, you know, to me is kind of a significant you know, obstacle for the Aggies in that regard. But more importantly, you know, they're they're losing Richard Lewis, which will Richard Lewis, which we'll talk about more when we get to their preview. And, you know, I still kind of have questions about the running game. Like I like Kent Myers. I always have. But I wonder if he's going to have enough around him to be able to kind of keep up. And I but I'd. I think it'll be close again like it was last year. Like, let's not forget that they were up two touchdowns before Colorado State was able to turn it around. Oops. Yeah, that's the game Nick Hill got taken out. And then, or excuse me, Colin Hill, Nick Stevens came in, saved the day. 
but you know to me i think at the moment just kind of taking a cursory glance of you know what i think their team is going to look like there's just a couple too many questions for me to think that they could win this game so i have colorado state winning this game as well excellent so nevada they host nevada for homecoming so um got mummy out there slinging the ball on calling the plays well somebody's slinging the ball we don't know at the moment in june cornwell or taiganji uh-huh. we already discussed nevada before so we kind of went over this game a bit with this uh, other previous uh, preview i think you and me say this same thing as then obviously that Nevada's defensive line needs to be better, and they're probably not going to be able to slow down this running attack enough to get a victory. I agree. Do we, let's do a quick one here. So, win or loss for a for a, not Utah State, excuse me, Colorado State. I have this one. I have this one as a win. So do I. I just don't think Nevada's there yet. New offense. We'll see who the quarterback is. They're still a year away at least. Then they go to New Mexico. Football, Bob. At Dream Style Stadium. That's the new home of the University Stadium. Congratulations there, Lobos. Get a million bucks here for that. Much needed money, right? Wait, what's it called? Dream Style Stadium. I wonder what that company does. It's a real estate company. Ah, Because there's okay. a, there's a right. combo, I believe it is. Um, let me double check here. Yeah, because there's a deal for 10 million bucks for 10 years total. Football and basketball. Yeah, basketball will always be known as the pit. It's, I believe it's some sort of real estate company, so good for them. Remodeling company, excuse me. So same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> they fix your home if you need a paint job or something. But the Lobos, um, we, we know what we're getting with New Mexico. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Please don't score enough points against us to beat us. <laughs> yeah. I think this falls in the same line as Nevada where their defense won't be good enough to hold up. Or do you have any other odd th- thinking where maybe Lobos can make a big enough move on the ground to uh, disrupt this uh, Rams defense? So I have a feeling we'll get more into this when we get around to New Mexico. I feel like they are the most unpredictable team in the entire conference. Like I, I, I went back and I looked at what happened in last year's game. And what stood out to me is like, I don't think that their run defense could have been any worse than it was <laughs> against Colorado State last year, where you know all three of Colorado State's running backs went over 100 yards, and Kinsey was averaging 12.7 yards per carry. I, I just you know that's not going to happen no, again. No, not going to happen. <laughs> Never. And at the same time, you know Tyrone Owens averaged 13 yards a carry but <laughs> you know absurd. the other guys around him Gibson and Lamar Jordan and Richard McCorley were more or less shut down you know as far as yards per carry and opportunity rate and stuff like that i feel like there's going to be some regression on on both sides there has to be come on 10 yards a carry plus that can't be and and i feel like if there's a potential soft spot in this Colorado State defense, it's going to be their ability to stop the run. Well, and so I have this Owen one. Just back I have as this well, one as too. a loss. Oh, you do. I do. Oh man, really? You sure on that? I am. It's at New Mexico, where the home field advantage is non-existent. You, you're aware of that, right? Nobody shows up for their games. Sorry, not sorry, but it happens. I am also aware that they had the number one running game in America last year as well. That too, yes. <laughs> I'm still going with it. I'm taking the Rams, buddy. I'm high on the Rams. All right. So victory for me. And then we go to uh, Air Force. Kind of, this should be a bigger rivalry than what it is. They're in-state teams about, what, 40 miles away from each other down. What freeways over there? Is it um, 25, right? I-25? It's, yes. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Correct us if we're wrong, folks. I'm not from Colorado, so sorry. Air Force at home. Is it so? Are you? I think. Let me guess what you're going to predict here, because the way you like the New Mexico game, Air Force is basically the same team, running the ball wise. So, are you picking a Air Force victory because of that running attack and Arian Worthman, who's a should be a pretty good uh, signal caller for the Falcons? No. No. And the only reason I say the only the the big difference I see is that 
you know, Air Force is going to have a lot to replace in their running game. And, you know, while I expect them to be pretty good, I just, I don't know. Like, you know, they, it was kind of a back and forth game last year where they only won by three. And if I'm not mistaken, was that the game where there was some kind of controversy over how it ended? Or am I thinking of another game? It did not involve Utah State, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> I thought it was okay. Um, I, I can't remember. It was the game where like Gallup fumbled near the end or something like that. I remember there was a pass interference issue versus Utah State and Air Force. I'm trying to remember which game it was. Anyway, I mean, <sighs> yeah, there was a forced fumble last year by Hicks. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Michael Michael Gallup running up the field, but never sees a Brody Hicks behind who forces the fumble to get a victory to help get a victory. So I'm assuming that's the game you're thinking of. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. And I mean, for as good as McVeigh and Worthman, I think are going to be in the same way that I don't think New Mexico is going to get shut down in the same way. I also don't think the Air Force is going to be quite as productive in the running game as they were in this game last year. And they do also have to replace almost literally everybody on their defense, which, you know, if I'm Nick Stevens, I'm kind of licking my chops looking forward to this game. So while I expect Air Force to be able to put up some points, I don't really see them being able to keep up with Colorado State. That's usually the case for Air Force. They can't, unless you're playing a similar New Mexico team in the Cotton Bowl where you're going score for score on the ground. Yeah. I'm I'm with you on that one. I think CSU is going to get a victory because that their offense is more explosive. And at this point, we'll know what Air Force is. and they'll, we, We're not kidding ourselves. They'll have a good running attack throughout the year, but at this point, they'll be even better. But they'll get, I think they're going to win there. Then they go to Wyoming. This, this, this three-game stretch, Air Force at Wyoming hosting Boise, is going to determine the division, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm as, not as high as Wyoming just because of who they lost. But going to War Memorial Stadium is never easy. It is a Saturday um afternoonish game in November, so it's not late, but it'll be dark. There could be some... I want a snow game or something, Laramie. We haven't had one of those in a long time. Can this be it? Decide the division title or put a team in the front-runner spots where we have rain, sleet, snow, snow angels after a touchdown. Can that happen? It could. Can we make it happen? That's what I'm really asking. <laughs> as long as I can watch it from the comforts of my own home. <laughs> there we go. So we know we know what we're getting to in this game. Two good quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Nick Stevens. Running game is a concern for Wyoming at this point or in June. Receiver, we have C.J. Johnson back there. They have Logan Wilson, Andrew Woodguard, secondary. Is is the Ram, are the Rams going to be able to pass against this defense enough to um, make it worth their wild? They should be better than they were last year. What were they last year? Well, the last year at this point, they were still starting Colin Hill, mm-hmm. who was, you know, he was okay. You know, he, he had 370 yards, but he only completed 56% of his passes. So if we get the uh, Stevens that we think we're going to get, this should be achievable to move the ball. ball. I think so. So we don't want to make this super long because we'll, get, we'll take, get the other side of this later, but... Everybody knows where I'm leaning. Where are you leaning in this game? Well, I mean, we already talked Wyoming. Oh, we did. I forgot yeah. about. Oh, jeez. What week and is if, this again? If, oh. if you haven't, if you haven't caught up, you should go do that. Yes. But I had this one as a Colorado State win. So do I. Sorry, I forgot we talked about Wyoming. I'm like, we're doing these in a row, folks. Like that was like three weeks ago. We're recording a bunch at some point, so I apologize. But Wyoming could win, but I going cow or going uh, Rams sheep. Should I call them the sheep, or is that disrespectful to Colorado State? That it, well, I mean, they would probably tell you it was disrespectful. I'll go with the mighty Rams beating Wyoming, taking the bronze boots um, back from the Cowboys since they don't have it last year. All right, there we go. That was a stumbling across the finish line. But next game, Boise State. This is the biggest game on their schedule, more so than Alabama. Is that okay to say? I think it is. Because um, how many times, Matt, has CSU beaten Boise State in the conference? That is an excellent question. I'm going to say not many. Can we go less than not many and say zero? 
<laughs> uh, well, doesn't that technically count as not many? Yes, it's it's zero. Correct. I'm not saying that's because it is zero. There were times we're going to get the victory. We're going to beat them. Last year was the closest they've been. Is this the year they do it at home? Evening kick on CBS Sports Network Saturday night game. Well, if you have listened to our Boise State podcast, intent, you would already know that I have this one as a Rams win as well. You do, but we do we need do we need to talk about more of this game as well because I'm going with a CSU also, and what's let me ask you this: what's a better better quarterback game you want to see? Nick Stevens, call or I was gonna say Colin Hill, sorry, Nick Stevens, Josh Allen. Nick Stevens, Brett Rippin. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to have. I don't want to have to choose. They're back to back. Okay, we're gonna say victory. Go listen to our Boise State show. But the reason I think CSU can do it because the all-around team is back. It's it's again. We don't need repeating. Blah blah blah. Same old same old. But they have most together at this moment in June. Who what we know of stuff can clearly change. Boise loses more than what CSU retains, and it's at home. Going to be a big crowd, and I think I, I really do think this is the year they get it done because Rams have it. I'm just going to say Rams are going to victory because they're better. Well, there you go. We said it. All right, final game, San Jose State at home. Victory, right? Is that We don't need to go any further than that, do we? Uh, that is a win, yes. That is a win because we already talked about San Jose State, and I predicted it as a loss. So... I have them as 11 and 1. Is that crazy? That is not crazy, no. You are at 10 and 2? Yes, I am. With the loss to uh, New Mexico. Yes. Which is not crazy because there's a three-way tie last year for the division, so it's not out of the question for the Rams to stumble. If I'm going to pick a stumble game, that probably probably would be it, as well as Boise State, but I think they'll get get their act together and continue what they did last year and get to 11 and 1. So 11 and 1 would probably put them cuz we've already done Boise State, Wyoming, and now CSU. That would for me put them at the moment to win the division, which if you're 11 and mm-hmm. 1 undefeated conference, hard not to be, right? Mhm. Let me ask you this then. 11 and 1. Let's say they do um, cuz if you haven't listened to our San Diego State show, should I tell them what record I said for them? Yes, you can. 12 and 0. Yes. The guy who apparently hates San Diego State says 12-0. If they beat a San Diego State team in a conference title game, would that put CSU for the New Year's Six game at 12-1? Without having, without having the schedules of like other contenders from other conferences in front of me, I, I mean, it may sound like hedging a little bit, but I think that they have a very convincing argument that were the case assuming that alabama is their only loss you know because then you're talking about beating you know a couple of potential pac-12 bowl teams and emerging from what is probably the toughest division in the group of five and beating another team that you know (laughs) that you know according to your projections will have beaten you know probably at least one other you know, Pac-12, you know, top 25 team in Stanford. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think you'd have to definitely put them in the conversation at that point if they're going to kind of waiting and seeing what the TV says at, what would it be, 12-1 and one with a that would conference be- title victory? Yes, it would. Yeah, I think they definitely have to get some strong consideration. So let me ask you this, because South Florida is clearly the other team that has ever we already talked about them for a minute in the San Jose State preview. They have Quentin Flowers, the Charlie Stronger head coach, out there from Texas. Their schedule is paper thin, essentially, not because mm-hmm. they're American, but the, yeah, they go to San. Here's their non-conference schedule at San Jose State, Stony Brook, at uh, sorry, not UConn, excuse me, um, Illinois, which probably not going to go to a bowl game, and then and then also um, UMass, who's independent, who's probably going to win two games. They do play Houston at home. If you play Tulsa, who's good. Uh, Temple should be pretty good. And then if they play, let's um, say they play Navy in the, in the division or conference title game, how would you compare like a 13-0 South Florida versus a 12-1 CSU? That's my thinking where those are the two teams. Like who else? Tulsa probably has a decent chance maybe. 
to get there. Um, not a ton of teams. Nobody from the MAC, I would say, this year really. Western Michigan loses a bunch. But you know, maybe Toledo because Toledo oh, yeah, does. Toledo, have, yes, right. Logan Woodside, Gunslinger. Yeah, Toledo does have you know games you know home versus Tulsa and at Miami of Florida. Okay. So them as well. So, but most people are going to say South Florida as the number one team. I would pretty common knowledge what people are saying right now. Mm. I think that eleven one twelve and one would trump maybe even undefeated because we saw it last year. Boise State was ahead of Western Michigan, who was undefeated, where they beat two Big Ten teams who. I don't think either went to a bowl game last year or were close to it or right around the 500 mark. Mm-hmm. Their non-conference schedule, a bad UMass team, an FCS team, and an Illinois team who might win four or five games with Lovey Smith there in year two. Yeah. And that's a home game as well for them. They're not going to Illinois, which not that that matters, but road game, you know. I would say mm-hmm. I would say 85% chance they'd be ahead of a South Florida team undefeated. Yeah, I mean, I think that sounds about right. I mean, especially especially if they look as good down the stretch as they did in the second half of last year. You know, because especially with that last stretch that we talked about where, you know, at New Mexico, Air Force, at Wyoming, Boise State, if you can win all four of those games convincingly, that's probably four straight wins against other bowl teams. And if they can do that convincingly, you know, that's probably a better slate than, you know, USF is going to be able to mess, uh, muster in its own division. For sure. And that's this overall schedule. That starts like, while I said they're going to win all those games, those are not easy games. Like New Mexico and Air Force, the way they run the ball, and then Wyoming, Boise State, two, those are the – are those the three best teams in the division they're facing? Air Force, Wyoming, Boise. Four best teams? <laughs> New Mexico, Air Force, Wyoming, Boise. The, Wyoming could finish fourth in the division, still win seven or eight games. Mm-hmm. So I think the schedule would favor them just because we saw last year where Boise, would, if they had taken care of business versus Air Force, would have uh, had that spot. And then also clearly had to win the uh, division title game or conference title game over San Diego State. Do you have yeah. any uh, parting shots here before we uh, get going? I think we're pretty much all set. Colorado State preview in the books. Next preview, Utah State. If you're listening to this, um, follow us on Twitter. Um, we're now at MWC Wire on Twitter. Or just follow me, Jeremy Moss, M-A-U-S-S, to find out what we're doing. Um, Facebook, MWC Wire as well. We'll have a lot of other news. The reason we're kind of stumbling around this, it's, it's like 97% done, right, Matt? We just don't know... The other 3%, which is a big deal. Yeah. By the time you listen to this, you probably do. But that's our show for today. CSU, a preview in the books. Utah State next week. And as always, folks. Oh, wait. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Forgetting something. Stitcher. iTunes. Tune in. <laughs> Subscribe to the show. Leave a review. Like we say, five stars. But if you want to say we're terrible, go ahead. We just want the five stars, man. That's all we want. If you want to complain about Jeremy calling Colorado State the sheep, just give us five stars while you do it. I never said that. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll end it this way, and yeah, we're biased to get your team, folks.